This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. Petri Wine brings you... Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce in the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invite you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us another exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. And as for me, well, I'd like to talk about those few minutes you have while you're waiting for dinner every evening. That's the perfect time for a glass of Petri California Sherry. Petri Sherry is the best beginning a good meal ever had. You really feel like you're enjoying the good things of life when you take time for a glass of Petri Sherry. Hold that glass of Sherry to the light. Look at it. It's a beautiful dark amber. Yes, and Petri Sherry is clear and fragrant, the way a good wine should be. Now taste it. You've got something. That Petri Sherry has a real heart-of-the-grape flavor. Oh, and look, if you like your Sherry dry, you know, not sweet, Petri makes a fine dry Sherry. It's called Petri Pale Dry. And if you don't know yet which you prefer, the regular sherry or the dry, why not try both? Don't buy one, buy two. But just be sure you always buy Petri. And now let's look in on our old friend, Dr. Watson. I'm sure he's expecting us. Good evening, Doctor. Good evening, Mr. Bartell. Draw up your usual chair. I'll get on with tonight's new Sherlock Holmes adventure. Well, how did the story begin, Doctor? It was one day in the autumn of 1887, I remember. Holmes and I were seated on either side of the fire in our Baker Street lodgings. The great man, his eyes half-closed, his long, thin fingers pressed together, lay back in his chair, filling the room with large blue clouds of tobacco smoke discoursing on one of his favorite subjects, Professor Moriarty. I can almost hear him now, Mr. Bartell, as he said... I Watson, the organizer of half that is evil and nearly all that is undetected in this great metropolis. Oh, surely that's an exaggeration, no, Holmes. my dear fellow. He has a brain of the first order, and his agents are numerous and splendidly organized. He himself sits motionless like a spider in the center of his web. But that web has a thousand radiations, and he uh, knows every quiver of each one of them. <laughs> it's fortunate for me that there's only one Moriarty. If every criminal were equally astute, I'd be in bankruptcy within the year. I don't think you need to worry about bankruptcy, Holmes. As I came in just now, I picked these letters up from the whole table and slipped them into my pocket. Here oh, thanks, old chap. Uh, they didn't look like bills to me. I observed the crest of the Duke of Carlisle on the top envelope. Oh, oh dear me. Five hundred guineas. His grace is extremely generous in his evaluation of my services. I don't agree, after all. You did save him from a shocking scandal. Oh, listen to this, Watson. <laughs> I seen you yesterday when you come to the cricket match. You wasn't watching the cricket. If you value your life, keep your filthy long nose to yourself. <laughs> and it's signed Joe the Butcher. Long nose. Who knows? Joe the Butcher. Oh, minor criminal that I was instrumental in sending to prison for a short term. He flatters himself, though. I was watching the cricket. No idea that Joe was back in practice again. I must keep an eye on him. Hello. Letter on Carlton Hotel stationery. Now, I... I say, this is interesting. Very interesting. Oh, what's the say, huh? 
Dear Mr. Holmes, I've been informed that you are a man of ability and discretion. My life is in grave danger and I need your help. Upon receipt of this letter, come to my hotel at once. I shall be expecting you. And it's signed, uh, Francois Dulac. No, please, just come to my hotel at once. Who is this uh, Dulac, anyway? What's no fellow? Yes? We were talking of Moriarty just now. I have a feeling that this letter may lead us to him. Well, what makes you say that? Francois Dulac, the writer of this letter, is recognized in France as the one indisputable authority on the paintings of Jean-Baptiste Greuze. Well, I still don't see the connection with Moriarty. If there is one thing Moriarty loves, more than the dazzling abstractions of mathematics and even more dazzling achievements of crime, it is the paintings of Greuze. The suggested combination of impending danger and a Greuze expert spells Moriarty to me. Get your hat and coat off, fellow. We're off to the Carlton Hotel to see Monsieur Dulac at once. Someone to unlock the door? No, 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 Captain. Huh? Don't want to attract attention to our prospective plan. Hotel locks wouldn't be very hard to pick. Here. The skeleton key should do the trick quite easily. Well, the man at the desk downstairs said that Mr. Delac was in his room. You know, Watson. He said he thought he was in his room. Uh-huh. Easier than I anticipated. Come on, let's go in. It doesn't look as if. Anyone's occupying this room? No signs of any personal belongings? No clothes hanging in the wardrobe, no luggage. Yeah, yet he is still registered here. Hello. What's this stain on the carpet by the bed here? Great Scott, is it... It's a blood stain, Watson. Blood stain? And the stain is still damp. I'm afraid we're too late. Come on, do no more good here. You're not giving up, Holmes? No, of course not, my dear fellow. Let's see what we can find out from the hotel manager. I refuse to believe that in the 19th century a distinguished foreigner can vanish into thin air. Yes, Monsieur Dulac did have a visitor early on today, Mr. Holmes. Do you remember his name? I think it was Perkins or Parsons, but I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Can you describe his appearance? I think so, Mr. Holmes. He was a very tall gentleman. Mm -hmm. Tall and thin, with deep-sunk eyes. Clean-shaven? Oh, yes, sir. He had a high forehead and a funny way of moving his head from side to side. Oh, yes. I feel, Holmes, that's almost an exact description of Mariachi. Exactly, Watson. Have you seen Monsieur Dulac since this uh, Mr. Perkins or Parsons called on him? No, I haven't, sir. But his visitor came back only an hour ago. He had some men with him. They carried some large packages out of the hotel. Packages? But not luggage, eh? No, packages, Mr. Holmes. Has Monsieur Dulac received any other visitors since he arrived here? None that have been here to see him, sir. But I understand that Sir Henry Davenant has been most anxious to get in touch with him. Sir Henry Davenant? Thank you. I'm extremely obliged to you. Come on, Watson. Always proud to be of service to Mr. Sherlock Holmes. The plot begins to clear, Watson. Well, and what makes you say that, huh? Sir Henry Davenant is a millionaire whose art collection is world famous. A year ago, the papers were full of his latest acquisition, the gem of his collection, Jean-Baptiste Greuze's painting, Young Girl with a Gazelle. And now it would appear that for some reason Moriarty wishes to prevent a meeting between Sir Harry Davenant and Monsieur Dulac, a Greuze expert. Now, do you see why the plot begins to clear? Very good, but what are you going to do? Davenant said to, uh, there's something of a hermit. He won't have anything to do with officials, interviewers, and people like that. 
but we know that he wishes to consult an expert on the paintings of Jean-Baptiste Fleurs. The next move should be obvious, old chap. Gracious me, you mean that you'll impersonate one? Certainly. If a Greer's expert is what he wants, then a Greer's expert is what he's going to get. Holmes, I must say, your disguise is, is amazingly effective. I miss you. You do me the great honor. If I appear convincing to the astute Dr. Watson, how can I fail to convince Sir Henry Davenant? Oh, my dear fellow, it's marvelous. Appallingly <laughs> good. Yes. Here we are, sir. Sir Henry's house. Let's hope for the best, old fellow. Uh, I don't know exactly what a French art expert looks like, but I could certainly believe that you were one. I only hope that I can be equally convincing in the role of a patron of the art. You certainly look the part, old chap. Good afternoon. Can I help you? Uh, my name is Vernet. André Vernet. I am most anxious to make the acquaintance of Sir Henry Deron. I'm afraid that Sir Henry is extremely difficult to see, sir. I can tell him you're here, but he very rarely gives interviews. That is a great disappointment to me. Perhaps uh, you would just go and tell him I am a pupil of, and a disciple of the great François Dulac. I will do what I can, sir. Uh, come in, won't you, gentlemen? Uh, if you'll wait here for a moment, I'll take your message. Oh, what was the name again, uh, Vernet, sir? André Vernet, and this gentleman is Mr. Watson. Very good, sir. Well, we got into the house. Now let's hope that you can impress the master of it. Now, there's an easier task, I fear, old fellow. Hmm. I've had to match opinions on the paintings of Burr's with an expert. Your knowledge of the subject is uh, somewhat sketchy, I'm afraid. Yes, and mine is absolutely nil. Gers was a naturalistic painter who flourished at the close of the 18th century, and though his paintings command a fabulous fee in this day and age, he himself died in great poverty. So... <laughs> Someone's coming. Monsieur Vernet, will you and Mr. Watson come with me, please? Sir Henry is most anxious to meet you. Merci, mademoiselle. My name is Violet Jackson. I look after Sir Henry's art collection. Indeed, a very pleasurable job, I'm sure, my dear. From what I hear, he has a magnificent gallery. He has one of the finest in the world. Yes. His latest acquisition is the famous young girl with a gazelle by Quirz. Oh, but I'm sure you know all about that, Monsieur Vernet. I think you said in your message you were a student of the great Dulac. I have that inestimable privilege, mademoiselle. Oh, this is Sir Henry's study. Turn. Oh, uh, thank you, uh, Violet. Uh, you may go. Yes, Sir Henry. Uh, you're uh, Vernet, I'm sure, and uh, this is Mr. Watson? That's right, Sir Henry. Mr. Vernet is staying with me. I see. Well, uh, sit down, won't you? Uh, look, Vernet, uh, you're a friend of Dulac's, aren't you? I think I may claim that honor, monsieur. Then why in thunder can't I get in touch with him? He's staying at the Carlton Hotel, isn't he? He uh, was, uh, or has been staying there, monsieur. We. Oui. I've left half a dozen messages for him, asking him to come and see me, and he hasn't answered one of them. I can't understand it. It's most important that I see him. Uh, monsieur is in some trouble, perhaps? Perhaps. Uh, now, you fellows are familiar with the painting by Greer, the young lady with the gazelle, aren't you? Oh, yes, Sir Henry. Yes, indeed. Oh, you are, eh? Uh, what do you think of it? Well, uh, uh, one of the greatest uh, works, in my uh, humble opinion, uh, monsieur. Uh, of course, I have only seen a reproduction... Uh, but it seemed to me uh, to have a freshness and vigor of the flesh tints, a great firmness and brilliance of line. You are indeed uh, fortunate, 
To own it, monsieur. Oh, don't know about fortune. It cost me 40,000 pounds. I still say you are both fortunate, monsieur. Would you grant me the honor of uh, to examine the original? Well, I don't know whether I ought to. I, I've had to guard it very carefully ever since this... Uh, uh, well, but perhaps in your case I can make an exception. You received threats regarding the paintings, Henry? Yes, I have, Mr. Watson. And they worried me so much that I've even thought of engaging the services of a private detective. Oh, indeed, monsieur. Uh, very interesting. Uh, the Duke of Carlisle strongly recommended a fellow by the name of uh, Sherlock Holmes. Oh. Uh, I was seriously thinking of going to him. Instead of which? He has come to you, Sir Henry. In fact, it will save us all a lot of time, I'm sure. Well, what kind of horseplay is this, sir? Who the devil are you? My name is Sherlock Holmes. Then why do you come here masquerading as a French art expert? <laughs> because I, I'd heard of your aversion to giving interviews, and I wanted to see you urgently. I felt that in the character of a supposed Greuze expert, I was... Uh, most likely to gain immediate admission. Well, then, uh, your friend here? Uh, Dr. Watson, my colleague. Well, it's all turned out for the best, Sir Henry. You wanted to consult Mr. Holmes, and he was most anxious to see you. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I'm glad you fellows are here. Uh, you see, I'm devilish worried about that growth of mine. Oh, why, Sir Henry? Well, I bought it at an auction. But there was another man bidding against me all the time, and when it was finally knocked down in my name, he became most insulting. He seemed unable to bear not owning the picture himself. He told me bluntly that I wouldn't enjoy it long. Well, I didn't think much about it at the time, but lately I've been receiving postcards repeating the threat. I don't like it. That's a fact. Well, you've kept those postcards, I hope, Sir Henry? No, threw them in the fire where they belong. Oh, it's a pity, sir. Can you recall the name of this uh, bidder at the auction who threatened you? No, didn't know his name. Can you describe his appearance? Well, let me see. He was uh, tall, uh, clean-shaven. Mm -hmm. oh, and a curious habit of moving his head from side to side. Moriarty again. Yes, old chap, my supposition was correct. Now tell me, Sir Henry, is the painting safely guarded? Well, I'd say that it was impregnable, Holmes. It's not in my regular galleries. I had a special strong room built for it when I started to receive these threats. It has a lock to which only I know the combination, and a special clockwork device that so controls the room that even I can only enter it yeah, during certain daytime hours. And yet, Sir Henry, with such thorough precautions, you appear to be frightened. Why? Well, I hardly dare trust my own shadow, Holmes. But as you possibly know, one of Greer's pupils, a certain Madame Ledoux, uh, imitated his paintings most successfully. Though several of the experts were fooled. I confess that I've been frightened lately, uh, since I received the threats, that a clever man might try and substitute a fake painting for the original, if indeed he hasn't already done so. Uh, that's why I was so anxious to get in touch with Dulac. Uh, he'd know a fraud at once. But a substitution would be impossible if you're the only one that knows the, the combination to the lock of the strong room. Well, that's what my logic tells me too, Doctor. And yet I'm very uneasy, I must confess. It's still daylight, Sir Henry. Would it be possible for us to examine the painting now? Well, certainly. Uh, by the way, what happened to Francois Delac? Did he uh, leave the Carton Hotel? He did, sir. So the circumstances of his departure made us distinctly uneasy. In what way? His room was empty. There were no signs of luggage, and yet... Come in. Yes, Violet, what is it? This note was just left for you, Sir Henry. I was asked to deliver it at once. Who left it, Violet? Well, he didn't give his name, Sir Henry. But he was a tall, thin man with deep sunk eyes. Oh. What's the note say? Why, it's the same fellow again. Listen to this. I told you you wouldn't enjoy the painting for long. You didn't. 
did you? Great Scott, it's money off. <laughs> Holmes, I don't see anything <laughs> funny about this. What makes you laugh? It's obvious uh, that my painting has been stolen. I find nothing funny about it either, Sir Henry. But I must admit a certain pleasure. Once again, I'm crossing swords with an adversary who was more than worthy of my steel. You'll hear the rest of Dr. Watson's story in just a second, so I'm just going to remind you that Petri Sherry could really be called the all-round, all-American wine. That's right, Petri California Sherry. Now, the reason I say that is because Petri Sherry is not only a swell-before-dinner wine, but it's a perfect wine for almost any occasion. When company drops in, serve Petri Sherry. After dinner, when you're just sitting around chatting, Petri Sherry again is just right. Believe me, you couldn't ask for a better all-round wine than Sherry. You couldn't ask for a better-tasting Sherry than Petri. Petri Sherry. Well, Dr. Watson, you've kept me on the edge of my chair so far with your story. What happened next? Did Sir Henry Davenant take you to see his famous painting? He did, Mr. Bartell. Together with Mr. Violet Jackson, we descended countless flights of stairs. Doors opened where no one expected a door to exist. Finally, after walking down a narrow stone staircase that turned and twisted, we came up against a blank wall. It seemed that we could go no further. But the time clock, a combination of numbers, and a hidden door slid back. We stood in the interior of a small room, a room with no windows and hardly any light. An oil painting stood on an easel before us. It was incomparable girl's painting of a young girl with a gazelle. We stood looking at it for a brief moment, and then the Henry Davenant said, oh. Heaven, the painting is still safe. Yes, Sir Henry. If it still is the same painting. It looks the same, Mr. Holmes. Yes, it does to me. The fact remains that only Francois Dulac could tell us if it is the same or a brilliant copy. Yes, and Mr. Dulac has been uh, silent. So it would seem. Of course, we could ask the expert at the British Museum to pass judgment. Yeah, but how could it have been stolen? It would be impossible to smuggle it out of here and replace it with a copy. There's only one way of being absolutely certain. With your permission, Sir Henry, I should like to make a test. You're going to take a sample of the paint, Mr. Holmes? Yes, that should give us certain proof. Well, very, very, very well, Doc. Yeah, you'd better do it, Violet. Uh, but be careful. Remember, the painting cost me 40,000 pounds. A minute fragment of paint will be sufficient for the test, won't it, Mr. Holmes? Yes, indeed. But with my fingernails, Sir Henry, I'll scratch off a tiny sample. Certainly, I think it would dash fine whoever painted it. There you are, Mr. Holmes. Is that enough paint Splendid, Miss Jackson, splendid. Thank you. Please put it on this envelope for me, will you? That's it. And now, Sir Henry, I shall return to Baker Street and analyze this paint. Within an hour, I shall be able to tell you whether the painting is worth 40,000 pounds or a plug farthing. Well, well, Holmes, did you uh, make the test? I did, Sir Henry. And? I'm afraid there's no doubt that your painting is a fraud. Oh, a sample of paint that I examined was manufactured not more than 25 years ago, and Greuze died in 1805. Well, I still say that it's a fine painting, whoever did it. I wouldn't mind having it myself. I agree, Dr. Watson. In fact, I'd be glad to buy it. It's a brilliant copy, and more than likely it was done by Madame Ledoux. You're remarkably quiet, Sir Henry. 40,000 pounds. 
40,000 pounds. Now, 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 sir, put that knife down. Holmes, help me grab him. Uh, don't worry, gentlemen. I'm not about to commit suicide in despair, if that's what you're thinking. Now, why are you grasping that knife, sir? Because I have work to do in my strong room. I'm going to use this knife to slash that lying canvas into 40,000 pieces. <laughs> You're right, Violet. It's childish to mutilate this daub. It's a brilliant fraud, Sir Henry. I'd like to have it. I'll buy it from you gladly. Buy it from me? <laughs> you can have it. Go and make arrangements to have the wretched thing taken away at once. I don't want any frauds in my collection. Yes, Sir Henry, and thank you. Now, Mr. Sherlock Holmes, I'll pay you any fee you name if you can tell me how the original painting was stolen. Well, Sir Henry, the how must here precede the who. And the how, I must confess, seems impossible. Yes, I quite agree. This is a sealed metal room. The only entrance is through the door. That has a combination that only you know, Sir Henry. Perfectly true. It's impossible for anyone to enter this room without my being present. Or I would have sworn it was. Let's examine these walls, Watson. Might be a secret panel. Uh-huh. Ventilator. No method of entrance here. Well, you'll find no flaws, I'm sure. This room is built like a giant safe. And the time lock on the door is equally solid. Is the time lock working now? Yes. It started five minutes ago when we opened the door. But don't worry. It's perfectly safe with the door open. But when the door's closed, it couldn't be reopened again, I take it, Sir Henry. Not until the morning, Doctor, no. I had the lock specially designed. Very ingenious. This presents as pretty a problem as ever I've tackled, Sir Henry. A large painting stolen and a fake one substituted in a sealed room to which only you have access. I must confess the house seems utterly impossible. Remember what you always say, Holmes. Throw out the impossible and whatever remains, no matter how improbable, must be the possible. Uh, let's consider the who for a moment. Is your butler absolutely reliable? Absolutely. How about Miss Jackson? Oh, completely trustworthy. Brought letters of recommendation from most of the leading art galleries in London. Intelligent, too. <laughs> and serious-minded. She's made a deep study of mathematics as well as her knowledge of painting. Mathematics? How do you know that, Sir Henry? Well, she had a book with her the other day. <laughs> I was surprised that the title could have been a novel. But no, it was called The Dynamics of an Asteroid. And it was inscribed to her by the author. Dynamics of an Asteroid and inscribed to her by the author. Thank heavens for your memories, Henry. That book was written by Professor Moriarty. Violet Jackson must be an accomplice of his. Violet? The door! Someone slammed it shut! Yes, and it's not very hard to guess who that someone is. Oh, but I I can't believe that Violet is a Look, 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 there's, there's a note being pushed under the door. Oh, strike a match, will you, old fellow? Right, sure. What's it say, Holmes? Forgive my unladylike eavesdropping, but with Mr. Sherlock Holmes as near the truth as he is, I'm afraid... It would be unwise for me to remain here any longer. On the other hand, you are in no danger of smothering in the strong room, but your imprisonment should delay my pursuit till morning. Violet Jackson. He's escaped at home. Don't worry, Watson. Jackson's failure to procure the painting for Moriarty will land her in a far worse dilemma than anything we could subject her to. 
Mariotti has never tolerated failure on the part of his minions. A brilliant plot, Oklo, a brilliant plot. Mariotti is at the zenith of his powers. How fortunate that we were able to foil him. What do you mean, foil him? My paintings have been stolen. Your paintings, Henry? Oh, no, 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 no. It's, uh, it's here in this room. What on earth are you talking about, Holmes? You reminded me of my own dictum, Watson. I discarded the impossible. It was impossible that the picture had been stolen, therefore it had not been stolen. You mean that this painting is the original, Gross? Yes, of course, sir. Surely the whole plot is crystal clear now. Uh, just about as clear as porridge to me. <laughs> well, then, let me explain. The whole episode of Francois Dulac, the note to me, the empty hotel room, and the significant bloodstains and the apparent disappearance of Dulac were all part of Moriarty's plot. The real Dulac never left France. Moriarty created him in England to lure me into the case. Why in thunder should he want to do that, Holmes? Yes, I should think you're the last person he'd want on the scene. Oh, on the contrary, sir. He knew that I'd grab at his bait. The apparent murder of a gross expert would make it seem likely that your painting had a substitute, Sir Henry. He wanted me to test the painting, which I did. I fell into his trap very neatly. The paint, Holmes, you said that it was no more than 20 years old. Yes, my dear fellow, the uh, answer should be obvious. I see it. Violet was his accomplice, had prepared the painting beforehand, and carefully scraped off a piece of modern paint. Exactly, Sir Henry. And Moriarty had assumed, quite correctly as it turned out, that as soon as you thought your painting was a fraud, you'd want to get rid of it. And that girl was going to take it out of this house with your full approval. And, of course, turn it over to Moriarty. What a fantastic scheme. A devilishly clever one, old chap. If it hadn't been for your chance remark about the book on mathematics, Sir Henry, I'm very much afraid the young lady with the gazelle might even now be on her way out of your house. Holmes, I can't tell you how grateful I am. I'm going to express that gratitude in a very material manner, I assure you. Thank you, Sir Henry, but I wouldn't dream of accepting a fee for this case. I've been shockingly obtuse. I might easily have let them walk away with your treasure right under our noses. Uh, we locked in here for the night, sir? I'm very much afraid so, Dr. Watson. Oh, I shouldn't be surprised if the butler notices our disappearance and comes looking for us. But he won't be able to open the door... It'll need a professional locksmith to get us out of here. Well, really, it looks as if we'll spend a very cheerful evening. <laughs> Don't be gloomy, my dear fellow. Oh, gloomy, You're locked in with one of the loveliest girls in history, and she's genuine at that. Strike another match, old chap, shall we? What? Let's, uh, let's look at her once again. Doctor, that was not only a swell story, but I really learned something. Oh, good, 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 Mr. Bartell. And just what did you learn? Well, this fellow Gers, the painter. Yeah? <laughs> I know this must sound stupid to you, but until you mentioned his name, I'd never heard of him before. <laughs> Holmes mentioned his name to me. I'd never heard of him before either. <laughs> but then we'll never learn about the good things in this world unless somebody tells us. Exactly. That's the way I feel about Petri Wine. Oh, no, no, just wait, wait a minute. Now, here's the way I look oh, at it. Oh, there are yeah. thousands of people who know about Petri Wine and love it, right? Yes, but... But uh, even though it's oh, a wonderful oh, wine, no. there must be some people who don't know about it. So I tell them about it. And I tell them about the Petri family and how they've been making wine for generations and how they've been handing on down from father to son, from father to son... The fine art of turning luscious grapes into delicious wine. Yes, and when I tell them that the name Petri on a bottle of wine is the personal assurance of the Petri family that every drop of wine in that bottle is good wine, well, that's all you have to know. 
So it adds up to this. If you want a fine wine for any occasion, you want a Petri wine. Because Petri took time to bring you good wine. Tonight's Sherlock Holmes adventure was written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and was suggested by an incident in Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's story, The Final Problem. Music is by Dean Fossler. Mr. Rathbone appears through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Mr. Bruce through the courtesy of Universal Pictures, where they are now starring in the Sherlock Holmes series. The Petri Wine Company of San Francisco, California, invite you to tune in again next week, same time, same station. Sherlock Holmes comes to you from our Hollywood studio. This is Harry Bartell saying goodnight for the Petri family. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. William Gargan stars as Barry Craig, confidential investigator. <laughs> There's a big house up the river that always has the welcome mat out, folks. Just drop in. Any old cry. The National Broadcasting Company presents William Gargan in another transcribed drama of mystery and adventure with America's number one detective, Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Barry Craig speaking. The streamlined confidential operator keeps a case file with a nod to police regulations and with an eye to posterity. A book of memoirs someday, you figure, to show your grandchildren you were full of hustle yourself once upon a time. You keep a well-detailed file. Case number so-and-so, the nature of the crime, the principal actor, the outcome. And page one stating by who and just how were you pulled into the felony in the first place. Take the file in my hand right now. Numbered 113. Who asked me into the case reads, Father Neptune. Father Neptune, old man C. Case I worked gratis. The old man didn't even throw me a fish. I'd been at a sailing over to Westside Pier, seeing a friend off. I hung around the docks for a while, walking off the champagne and canopies, and wondering what there is about a lonesome river at night that makes the little man inside you cry. Well, about that time, Father Neptune decided to take my thoughts off me and transfer them to a mermaid and a drink. A drowning mermaid, the way it sounded. Where are you? Oh, December is a great month for a dipper to the river if you're a polo bear, but... In I went. Hey, hey, grab a hold of me. Hey, I didn't say a stranglehold. I'll operate your rescue, lady, or I'll have to. Okay, much as I hate you. On the pier, it's time to bring her to. I worked her arms, pump handle style, and water sprayed from her like a fountain. She finally came around to join the battle of the sexes. You... You hit me. To break your stranglehold. It's in the book. 
What book? How to save hysterics from drowning themselves and the rescuer. Oh. Then that hit me so hard. Oh, my jaw. Feel the welt. Hmm. Got my brand on it now. B.C. B.C.? Barry Craig. The initial man's ring I'm wearing left initials on your jaw. You're crazy. And cold. Yeah, me too. Pray it's pneumonia. Well, why that? There's no cure for a cold. So? There's a cure for pneumonia. Penicillin. You are crazy. You want an ambulance? Definitely not. A uh, police wagon? Don't you dare. Then what? Uh, your place? Is that proper? How can I know? We've only just met, Barry. We got into dry things, and properly enough to rate a good conduct medal from the mayor. I got a hard square look at my mermaid. Okay, a face and a figure that makes truck drivers water their whistles. Um, Penny, for your thoughts. I'm wondering. About? How many lies you're going to tell before you tell the truth. <sighs> no more than I can help, I promise. Your name? Susan Lane. What made you go for a swim? But I can't swim. That's what I mean. I, I, I fell into the river by accident. I, uh, I was walking and my foot caught in a loose board on the pier and... Start all over again. I wasn't pushed in. No? No. Fact is, I jumped in. Why? I'm like that. Peculiar. I get fed up with things. Things like? Nothing special, just life, men, the way the world is. I just get an uncontrollably morbid impulse, and then I'm sorry. What if nobody happens along to save you for the next impulse? Goodbye, Susan Lane. She wasn't much. Oh, excuse me. Hello? Hello. Have I got the right party? Have you? Well, I mean, are you the Joe who pulled the blonde out of the drink? The name isn't Joe. I followed you to your joint white guy. And my phone number? Your name's in the bell. Barry Craig. And your number's in the book. I see. Are you interested in hearing what I got to tell you? I've heard nothing so far. Well, open your ears, stupid. Hey, don't believe anything the dame tells you. I don't. What'd she tell you so far? That dill pickles make her hiccup. Okay, be a dope. All right. She said she'd attempted suicide. Baloney. She was tossed into the drink, picked up off the ground and thrown to the fish. You know that? I saw. Where do you fit into this? We won't go into that. Another thing. Paste this song title in your hat. Sugar Loaf Mama. Sugar Loaf Mama? It's number one in the jukebox, you stupid. Where do you spend your nights? Standing up in a closet to improve my posture. Now, the song's the key to the whole deal with the girl. Now, make like a detective. Goodbye. I made like a detective with Susan. All right, I did lie. Somebody attempted my life. Who? Oh, he wore a mask. And Why? I don't know. Oh, it's sure making progress. I can't tell you what I don't know. I suppose I might as well skip asking, uh, who was with me on the telephone? Skip asking me. The song, Sugarloaf Mama. What about it? It's a huge, popular success. I heard. I work for the music publisher who owns it. I'm a stenographer. The publisher owns it, you say? Did the publisher also write the song? Yes, but that's something now in, in dispute. Between whom? Mr. Sampson, the publisher, my boss, and a songwriter, Mervyn Marlowe. They're fighting a lawsuit over the songwriter, over the profits. And uh, you come in where? 
I'm a witness for Mr. Sampson. Testifying to what? That my boss never personally received a song submitted by Merlin Marlowe. That it's our firm policy to return unsolicited manuscripts unopened. Who's telling the truth? Your boss, Sampson, or this Marlowe? You ask a lot of questions. One of them may be trying to murder you. Yes, I know. Don't you care? Do you? What if I do? Then you'll protect me and worry about me. Now, I want to get back into my clothes and go home. Oh, here. You're dirt. The radiator steam dried them. Use the kitchen. Thanks. And uh, don't forget this. This? Oh, my ring. Hey, quite a rock. Don't be fooled. It's only a cheap Mexican diamond. I'd never believe it. A lightning change of wardrobe and we were on the street, arm in arm, like we'd been engaged since the high school prom. Call a cab, Barry. Taxi! Hey, taxi! Want uh, company going home? I was wondering when you'd ask me. Get in. Don't try it, cousin. Huh? You just say something? I said stay out of my cab. Now, wait a minute. Oh, you were going to make a quarrel out of it? That was before your gun. Barry! The gun pointing at me, Susan. Yeah, relax, lady. All you stand to lose is his company. What's my loss? Skin. Off the top of your head. Now, I want ten minutes before you phone the cops. One favor, please. What? Do it to me over here, close to the left ear. What's a gag? You're not the first to take a liking to my head. Oh, the rest of your head's still sore, huh? And unhealed. Huh, if you're going to. Yeah, close to the left ear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you fall down and you get up. You're still the same guy, except that your legs have aged ten years and your hat doesn't fit. While looking for a phone booth, I put one and one together. My anonymous caller and the kidnapping cab driver add up to one guy. The same guy. Hello? Give me Lieutenant Trav Rogers, please. You got him, Craig. Oh. Your voice is changing, Trev. Should I worry? Over losing a squeaky soprano? Is this an official call or are you just passing the time? It's official. What about? Mayhem in December. I found a girl and lost her. Sad. I can refer you to a Lonely Hearts Club. A torpedo masquerading as a hacky put the snatch on her. More facts, please. Susan Lane. Five feet two. Blonde. Blue eyes. Wrinkled dress that needs ironing. Wrinkled dress? Stop prying into my inner life. The hacky, so-called, was heavy-set, meat-faced, with uh, jowls like Pluto the dog. A brown and white taxi cab. Did you get the license number? No, no. I was about to when I uh, fell down and hurt my head. You were assaulted? If there's a law against slugging confidential investigators. There isn't. We had our decorations for it here at headquarters. What danger is the girl in? Catching a cold. Catching a cold? A permanent cold. Send out a general alarm, Trav. She's too beautiful to die. Who isn't? Uh-uh, now. No personality. Goodbye, now. <laughs> Eli Sampson, music publisher, occupied a building that looked like an inferiority complex. 
calcimine streaks for paint. Outside windows with the dust of ages on them. And a broken down staircase that made you feel like a dinosaur walking on eggs. The staircase was going to loom big in my future, as I soon found out. The first warning I had was a shot. Correction, two shots, and then a yell from an upper landing. A yell of bloody murder enough to freeze me in my tracks. I stood still automatically in the middle of the staircase, and that was my undoing. What sounded like a stampeding herd was coming smack at me. Him was a wild-eyed maniac who looked like he jumped out of the street. Get out of my way, you. I'd love to oblige, but narrow like the staircase this isn't for battle next. I said out of my way. I'll need time to shift to reverse. Let me do it for you. I got relocated in the world with splinters of railings stuck in me like toothpicks. And a guy standing solemnly over me. A janitor holding a mop and a soap bucket. A janitor out of a Max Sennett comedy. Blowing mustache and dressed in the top half of a cutaway. With a battered derby on his head. A, a brown derby. You seem fully recuperated, my boy. Not recuperated, only recovered. What was that railing tied together with? Pieces of string? Iron glue. I myself performed the repairs. Here, I'll help you up. Oh, don't bother. What are you made up for? You refer to my elegance? To the mop and the bucket. A temporary condition, my boy. The mare is down, the mare is up. Up being? Ducks and bonds. Oh. I fluctuate as it fluctuates. You're uh, staring at me? Yeah, trying to place you. I've seen that odd kisser of yours before. Along the stock exchange, perhaps? No, no. Who did all that shouting on the upper landing? It was me. Summoning help. Who got shot? One Eli Sampson. The miscreant fugitive who butted you so unceremoniously. You'll get nuts in your tongue, Lamar. Mind if I leave you for Sampson? Uh, not at all. I'm in no mood to be interviewed today. The market uh, is down. I found Sampson in his office, fluttering his eyelids. Oh, oh, How do you oh. feel? Dead, dead. That makes you a talking corpse. You got a career in vaudeville ahead. Oh, that maniac Mervyn Marlowe murdered me. Yeah. Burned your left wrist a little. Only a flesh wound. Not much damage for two point-blank pistol shots. Oh, I'll lose the arm. I'm sorry to disagree. Well, then it's a miracle. Yeah. Music publishers never die. They just fade away. Oh, here's the gun used on you. It was thrown down. Yes, that's the gun the maniac terrorized me with. Give it to me. It's evidence for the district attorney. I'll keep the gun a while. But... I'm a licensed detective. This Mervyn Marlowe is a songwriter battling you in the court. A songwriter? A song thief? He didn't write Sugarloaf Mama? Lies. His claims are lies. Mervyn Marlowe can't even write his own name. He can't shoot straight. That makes him kind of useless all around. Uh, Samson. Yes, yes. A girl, Susan Lane. Susan Lane, my stenographer? Your late stenographer, maybe. She's been kidnapped. Kidnapped? I hope. Tough. Hired by Mervyn Marlowe. What motive would Marlowe have? To shut her up. To stop her from testifying to the truth when we go to court. The truth being? That nobody here read his song manuscript or even opened the envelope. How big is Marlowe's temptation to murder? Come on, Samson. Don't shy at boasting. Sugarloaf Mama is a gold mine. Sales and sheet music alone run over $100,000. 
motive of plenty to keep Blondie from testifying at all costs. He'll kill Susan. You'll find her dead. Where do I find Mervyn Marlowe? In the garret in East Harlem, uh, 3601 First Avenue. A crazy bohemian in a cold water garret with a piano. 3601 First Avenue. Call yourself an ambulance. Let that wound infect and you'll be the one-armed wonder of the music publishing business. Before quitting the building, I looked up Lemaire, the janitor. I found him in the basement, washing up. Welcome to my humble quarters, my boy. Dry your face. I've got something to discuss. Proceed. You uh, clean the offices as well as the halls? Yes. The mockery of it. Being able to use your master key as you are, you're no doubt well familiar with the contents of the offices? I am after a fashion, that is. And uh, after a fashion, uh, also familiar with the contents of the desk? Do I detect an innuendo that I... Nope. You detect. Base and reprehensible slander, my boy. As of this moment, consider our discussion terminated. This gun. You ever seen it before? You've seen it in Samson's office, maybe? Okay, so we're going to play close now. This your locker? I asked, is this your locker? It is. Open it. Why? I want to total up the stamps, the scotch, clips. And rubber bands. Uh, your day's haul, a man. You dare accuse me of the pettiest of thievery? Yeah, I dare. You see, I uh, placed your odd kisser where I'd seen it before, that is. The south of France, was it? The uh, rogue's gallery, it was. Weldon Lemaire, alias the Baron. And what snatching ladies' handbags, if not their petty thievery? Shh, not so loud. I lose face with the building management. Tell me what I want to know. Yes, I have seen this. Precise pistol before. Where? In Mr. Sampson's desk drawer. The uh, bottom left drawer, if my memory serves. Uh, you've cost me a pretty piece of change. Hmm, a blackmail you could have wrung out of Sampson. So it's Sampson's own gun, huh? The old reprobate shot himself? The old reprobate sure did. Visiting the rundown garret the songwriter Mervyn Marlowe lived in, I got a smell of trouble even before I asked in. Who's there? I didn't need X-ray vision to know a crackpot songwriter on the other side of the door was healed with a gun. Who's there? I want to talk to you, Marlowe. The door's unlocked. Come in. Come in and nod hello to a gun. An old familiar situation. I came in, but with a bang. Oh! Marlowe was out cold with his fingers coiled around a gun. A gun I relieved him of. He came to cursing himself. Stand away from the door the next time you invite a fly into the web, sucker. Oh, you dirty You won't make out. When you find it monotonous, tell me. Samson used his own gun on himself. You'll know that. I don't go for a gag as obvious as Samson's frame. Now get up, behave, and fill in the facts. Samson asked me to call on him for a talk. We had an argument. Samson said if I didn't drop my lawsuit, he'd he'd scandalize me as a mad dog murderer. I socked him one on the jaw, and Samson grabbed a gun out of a desk drawer. And? He said he'd frame me if I didn't sign papers swearing my claims to Sugarloaf Mama were a fraud. He said he'd swear the gun was mine and that I'd come in to kill him. That he'd overpowered me and seized the gun after I'd fired at him. 
When I ran out, Samson fired two shots. Not at me. At himself. He gave himself a flesh wound. Ah, that's Samson all over. Anything for a buck. A hundred thousand bucks. Money belonging to me. He stole my song. You'll have your day in court. Yeah, with Samson's lying stenographer perjuring herself with a boss. Now that we're down to her, where is she? Where is she? What are you talking about? Susan Lane was kidnapped. Now what frame of... You and Samson are the interested parties. If she was for Samson, she was against you. So? So only you'd have a motive in shutting off her testimony, it would appear. If you arrange the snatch, Marlowe, you're a sucker. Get out from under while you can. Ring off. I had nothing to do with it. How about an attempt on her life on the docks? Nope. You're incapable of it? I'm capable of it, but I didn't do it. You want a hat? Sure, why? Get it. I'm taking you to the headquarters. What for? You'll only land on the floor again. To protect you against yourself. That wild gleam in your eye belongs under temporary lock and key. I spent years writing a song, picking my brains, days, nights, starving in this filthy infested hole. So that swindler Samson... That's just but... what I mean. The far night you're cooking at, you've got to explode. If you're really innocent of anything so far, I want to keep you that way. Walk in front of me. At police headquarters, Lieutenant Trav Rogers had sensational news. Susan Lane, we think we found her. Where? A shack up near Gun Hill Road, overlooking the railroad yard. But uh, how? Let's go get her, shall we? I'll tell you how another time. It was Susan Lane on the attic floor of a seedy-looking frame dwelling, trussed hand and foot and dead to the world. She's asleep. Here's how we were tipped to a whereabouts. The telephone? The receiver's off the hook. The girl scrambled enough to roll against it and knock the receiver off. The operator became suspicious and called police? Right. Help me untie her, Trev. I've got a pocket knife. Hey, Susan, wake up. Huh? Susan, it's me, Barry. Oh, she seems dopey. An overdose of sedatives, I'd say. See how many pupils in her eyes yeah. dilated? Somebody figured that the sleep, she couldn't make a disturbance. Where am I? In the arms of the law, baby. I've never seen you this romantic, Craig. Oh. I've always had a soft spot for struggling stenographers. Let's all ride downtown now, huh? Riding downtown on the West Side Highway with Trav Rogers thumbing his nose at speed laws, Susan came around to 100% of herself to uh, lean against me contentedly, uh, purring like a kitten. Mm, I feel so good. You're making Trav's bachelorhood an awful load to bear. Hand-holding will only get your palms sweating, Don Juan. Hmm. Suppose we talk about the case, Craig. You talk. Samson Amalo, one of them hired the kidnapper. What could Samson's motive be? Same motive he had in shooting himself. Frame and discredit model in advance of that trial over that song. Possibility. But you don't buy it? Not right away. Oh, uh, take that exit and pull up to Pier 41. What for? It's the pier where the case began. Began for me. Some clue you missed there? Uh, reconstruct the crime. Isn't that standard approved routine? All right, brain. Pier 41. Susan. Uh, yes? Follow me. I'll, I'll need your help. All right. It uh, began about here. I heard a cry for help. 
Uh, is this about where you were when a mass somebody threw you into the river? Was yes, I think so. Good. Now let's reenact it. Uh, stand facing the river. Uh, yes. I'm the masked mister. I steal up behind you, grab a hold. <laughs> Don't be ticklish. <laughs> I hoist you into the air, so. Oh, no. Craig, do you have to be that realistic? Oh, yeah, I have to be. How else can I heave a cute little bundle like Susan into the drink? Craig, you maniac, she can't swim. Oh, can't she? But you saved her life in the first place. Yeah, that's what she wanted me to think. That was the hook, and I swallowed it. She can't swim, huh? Look at that Australian crawl. She swims like a fish. Yeah, good old will to self-preservation. I was counting on that to convict her. game. Dramatize herself. Big. Make out her life was being attempted. To bleed Samson for a big slice of those song profits. More than she's already got. Already got? When she climbs back on the pier, gander at a hunk of so-called Mexican jewelry she's wearing. Appraise the ring at Tiffany and find out what a bonanza stenography can be for a smart girl. Samson gave her the ring? A down payment for her perjury. But if the blackmail was set up so good, why embellish it with phony attempts on her life? And the kidnapping. Fear. Fear. Marlowe could gun for her for lying for Samson. Ditto Samson to keep her from telling the truth. Truth being that Marlowe wrote Sugarloaf Mama. So? So by making herself a police problem, or my problem, that is, she scared Samson and Marlowe from daring to harm Clever. Oh, here she comes. Oh, hello, baby. Oh, that was contemptible of you, Barry. A flaw in my cap. I'm so sorry. Uh, just by the way, who was the atrocious kidnapper? Oh, my, my brother. Oh, I'm cold. Well, where do you suggest we go? Uh, your place? No, it really wouldn't be proper this time. Uh, I'd be pinched for uh, sequestering police property. Case solved. Only Trav Rogers didn't let me just walk away from it. At his insistence, I had to drag down to headquarters to hunt and peck away at a typewriter. How's your detailed police report coming along, Barry? I'll be a month at it the way I type. Hmm, bad. Why are we so suddenly, uh, so, uh, so clerical? Regulation. Section 6, paragraph 4, governing confidential operatives states... Spare me. But why in such a confounded hurry? Why right away tonight? I've got flight tickets for St. Nick's. Susan Lane's under arrest. Thanks to you. I can't just book her, not without a precise stipulation of charges. Then get me a competent typist. <laughs> Sorry, they've all gone home. Patience, Barry. Just put one word after another. Hmm. Or less for a case I worked without a fee yet. Oh, by the way. What? Speaking of fees, the fact is Miss Lane was uh, uh, sporting enough to worry about that. Are you kidding? No, no, I'm not. She said you were working for her, even though it did boomerang for her. She hates to see you go empty-handed, she says. Sweet of her, isn't it? Lacking fun, she gave you her dearest possession, her finest jewel, this, uh, this ring. Hey. Why, Trev, the rock's worth five G's if it's a penny. I'm sure. And now, if you'll hand it back. Hand it back? What for? Regulations governing sorted property. <laughs> the girl, unfortunately, came by the ring dishonorably. <laughs> you kill yourself. <laughs> Good night, folks. See you next week.
You have been listening to William Gargan in another exciting transcribed mystery drama from the adventures of Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Tonight's story, Song of Death, was written by John Robert. Next week, it's the strange story titled Death of a Private Eye, about which Barry Craig has this to say. Next week, I'm hired to help a man pay a visit. But discover instead that my client has a visitor first. That visitor being death. See you next week, folks. Featured in the role of Susan was Amzie Strickland. Barry Craig, starring William Gargan, was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is Don Pardo speaking. Now enjoy Meredith Wilson's Music Room on NBC.